you're here today. Don't you take your Bibles, don't you turn with me to the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John is in the back of your Bible. You can find us right in front of 2 John. 1 John chapter 5. All right, before we look at that, you, you may have noticed if, if you came in the front today, there's some stuff out there under the, actually that's called a portico share. I just call it the overpass. And uh, there's a convertible out there. There's a motorcycle out there. There's some furniture that's been made out there. All of that is from Living Free. Next Saturday evening, we weren't able to have our auction this year that benefits them so much. So next Saturday evening, we're going to have a chicken picking. And we're going to pick the chicken, then you can swing by and pick it up. Uh, the tickets will be for sale out there. Swing by and get them. We need to help these guys. We, we have a tremendous need. People call every week that we can't get in that have needs in their lives, addiction problems. Now, we just need to expand. The need is so great. And so buy them tickets. Come get that chicken. You can bid on that car out there. You can drive home in that convertible. And uh, get that convertible for your wife and you get the motorcycle. And take that motorcycle, go home with it and take the furniture with you. They'll be selling the raffle tickets, for that, all that stuff out there. And, and just uh, we want to bless them with that. All right, I want to talk to you about something else for just a second before we start. <clears throat> is anybody here thankful that you are not forced to speak German and some punk dictator from overseas is telling you how to live. Is anybody thankful? All right. What's another way of saying that? Is anybody here thankful for our veterans? Amen. Do you know what our lives would be like if it weren't for those folks? You'd be saying Heil Hitler instead of praise God. That's what you'd be saying. Our Veterans Day is this coming Wednesday. It's always 11-11 and we honor them and appreciate them. I love veterans. I'm a card carrying red, white, and blue. Love my veterans flag waving Americana. And I love them guys so much and we appreciate it. We had a great night last night. Our annual Veterans Night of Honor. We couldn't have it live. Couldn't have everybody in the auditorium. So we had it virtual and we, had, uh, we delivered meals to over 250 veterans and their families and blessed them with some things. And then had the, the program was virtual. It was on the web this year. So it's on the website now. If you didn't see it last night, you can go in there and watch the Night of Honor for our veterans anytime you want to. It's just wonderful. Colonel Norm McDowell, 83 years old, wide open. Bless the veterans last night. Great time to watch. All right, let's do this. If you're a veteran, former veteran, stand up. We want to say thank you. There they are. Thank you to these guys. I appreciate them guys so much. God bless you and thank you so much. Earlier service at Hall River, Jim Walker was there, 94 years old. And we were talking a little while back and uh, I said, I'd watched a documentary on Iwo Jimmy. He said, I was there, son. I said, Jim, you you weren't old enough. He said, yes, I was. He said, I lied. 16 years old, as a 16-year-old young boy, he fought all the way across Iwo Jima as a Marine. And uh, he was there in earlier service today. He ain't about to slow down now. We owe those folks a great debt of gratitude. We really love them and appreciate them. All righty. You got 1 John <clears throat> chapter 5. <clears throat> We're going to spend a few weeks talking about something. And I got to ask you to do something with me before we even start. No religious nonsense, okay? This is the one area where people get religious on me. Let's knock it off for a few weeks. We're going to talk straight. And uh, we're going to talk about not prayer, answered prayer. Answered, I'm off, right off the bat, I'm going to ask you right off the bat. Don't, don't play religious games with me. Have you ever had a prayer answered in your life? All right, listen to me. Undeniably, not, not, not maybe, undeniably, right there it is. 
I got it. I got what I asked for. That should be the norm. All right, years ago, I'm a, I got saved. I'm a young man. I, got, I began to preach right away. You know, I was a criminal before I met Jesus and uh, met Jesus, began to follow him, became a preacher real quick. I'd preached four or five years. I never saw prayer answered. I'm mine anybody else's, but we prayed, we prayed because Christians pray. Yeah, or nay, Christians pray. Sure we pray. And see, we're a little back then, where we're at back in the country, the louder, the better. You'd call Miss Grandma so-and-so, lead us in prayer. Ah! She'd tear out, go all over the moon and back with her prayers. But if I ever saw a prayer answered the first five years of the ministry, I don't know it. And I never saw anybody else get one answered either. And let me tell you how, let me tell you how this, this just bothered me. I never even saw anybody go back and check. You know what I mean by that? You know, we'd all, you know, pray, pray for so-and-so, pray for so-and-so. We'd pray. I never even saw anybody go back and check, see if we got it. So in other words, it was just a religious practice. That began to bother me. All of a sudden, one day, my bishop, he called me. He said, I want you to come to my office once a week, he said, I, I want somebody to pray with me. I want us to come pray together. And so I went to his office a few days later. We sat down and I'm just 20 something years old. <clears throat> and he opened the Bible to what I'm fixing to show you here. And he said, I want you to read this before we start. And he said, I want you to tell me what you think about it. And I read it. And if I'd ever read it before, I don't know it. And if I'd read it, it hadn't registered on me. I just glanced over it. But I read it that time and I just looked at that thing and I said, man. He said, what do you think about that? I said, well, what are we going to do? We're going to say it's not true. I said, we, he wrote it plainly. You got to, what are you going to say about it? So we prayed. Then I went home and I took that thing and I went, man, I wonder if this is true. I don't even know my heavenly father is not bothered by us asking the hard questions. Matter of fact, he appreciates it. You know what it's called? Seeking the Lord. I don't want to read this to you. <clears throat> read it with me. I want you to see it in your Bible. First John chapter five, two verses, one thought. First John chapter five, verse 14. This is the confidence. I like confidence that we have in him. First John five fourteen. that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears me. How many of you believe if you ask, he's going to hear you? Now, now, wait a minute, read it again. Do you have confidence? I mean, I know that I know that I know. All right, here's the rest of the thought. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have what we ask for. I read that and that sounded to me like you should ask and expect and know he's going to answer your prayer. Because you know what I always thought about prayer before this? I always thought prayer, let me, let me describe it. And this is how I was taught in my church by watching. I always thought prayer was like a blind man shooting blackbirds in the dark. You just fire off every which direction and hope something hits. But you never walk out in the field to see if you hit anything. You just say, well, we prayed and go home. Shouldn't you go back and see? And I read that and I said, if that's true, we're in trouble or we're missing something. And I just remember thinking to myself, what if this were true? What if God meant what he said? What if this would work? All right, and I'm in a place where, you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I love the Lord. I'd gotten saved. I, I tried to live right. I was a preacher, little country church good friends, but I, I don't know that I ever saw God do anything. I mean, I'm thankful that I was healthy and we were alive and had a family and yada, yada, but I just never saw the hand of God. I never just saw him go right there where everybody just went, whoa, did y'all see that? 
Did y'all see that? I never saw that. You know, good, good, believe the Bible. I just never saw the hand of God. And I just, something, I began to seek him and I, something inside of here, I know it's him stirring me up now, began to say, we're missing it here. This, this, this is, it's about prayer, son. And then it dawned on me, prayer should be answered. In other words, you ought to be able to look and go, man, did y'all see that? We ought to live like that. And I began to, I knew I didn't know how to pray. Isn't that terrible? Been preaching five years, didn't know how to pray. Guess where I learned how to pray from? Same place you did. Where'd you learn how to pray from? Listening to the folks in church. Where'd you learn? Well, I just pray like I feel like. Ooh, 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 ooh. What has doing what you feel like got you into for half your life? But I never did what the disciples did one day when they turned to Jesus and they said to Jesus, you teach us how to pray. You show us how to do it. And they asked him, you teach us how to pray. And I said, I, I mean, I hunkered down. Y'all know what hunkered down means? I hunkered down. I said, I'm going to learn. I'm going to find out what's going on here. And I would seek the Lord and get in his word and just teach me how to pray. Show me this stuff. I see something in here in my spirit, but I don't know what to do. And he began to open his word to me about prayer. And uh, he began to show me this is real. Let me tell you the greatest thing I ever learned about prayer. It's not the technique. It's not the words. It's the heart of God. It is a father's heart. If you ever learn the heart of God, you'll bust through prayer. You have no idea how much he wants to do things for people. Some people, I've had people actually ask me, do, do you think I said it right? You don't have to say it right. It's not about you getting the right words. It's the heart of God. Let me give you an example. When my babies was young, they were little. We had them in, they were just little. So we'd put them in high chairs to feed them. You know what that is. High chairs where an explosion looks like it took place and they get done. We had them in the high chair. Well, one night we're sitting there and Bubba, he's in the high chair and mama's stuffing that uh, mashed up peas and mess, pureed peas in his face. You just get a little spoon, got the plastic around in. She'd say, oh, open one. Here comes the airplane. She'd put it in there and he'd, he'd chew that stuff. And then she'd put some nasty mashed up carrots in there. Because, you know, my mama's one of them vegetable tearing. She believes in living right. And uh, she had to get up and go to the bathroom. And I'm sitting there and I watch that thing. And I took that spoon and I cleaned it off. And I took over and I dipped it in banana pudding. <laughs> I took that thing. I said, here comes the airplane. I stuck that in his big... And I, I did it too. All of a sudden I heard steps coming. I laid that spoon down. <laughs> she sat down there. She picked that spoon back up. She stuck it in some mashed up green beans or something and stuck it in his big, he went, <laughs> he spit it all out. And he looked at me and he went, uh, uh, toward that banana bowl. All right, I'm dead now. Those children don't need to eat that junk. Let me tell you, you know what I said to him when he, when he went, uh, you know what I said to him? Till you can say it right, you're not getting any. <laughs> got to say it right. I knew what he wanted. If she hadn't been there, he'd have got it. <laughs> it had nothing to do with him pronouncing banana pudding perfectly. It had all to do with a father who wanted to bless him had it not been for Mama. You don't have to get it right. What is this get it right stuff? It is the heart of a father that we cry out to. And so I began, I said, I'm going to learn this prayer stuff. I'm going to learn this stuff. And uh, 
right, here's some things I've learned. I'm going to tell you several things I've learned. We're going to do this for several weeks. Let me tell you what I've learned from seeking his face. It's all about prayer. Prayer is not part of the Christian life. It's all about prayer. Everything rises and falls on prayer. Everything your life is, is because of prayer. Listen to this from Psalm 127. God don't need to help us because that says I can do part if he'll do part. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. If I'm going to have a great life, it's going to be because he's going to do it. If I'm going to have a great family, I mean a great family, it's going to be because he's going to put his hand on that family. If I'm going to have a church that changes people's lives, it's not going to be because I learned something. It's going to be because he puts his hand on it. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. And we've got a lot of vain laboring going on today. I'm telling you, we need the touch of God more than we need anything else. On my life and my family, my home, it's just it. I just read in the Bible, let me put the book of Acts in four words. People prayed, God worked. Is that not the book of Acts? And I just knew that. And then all of a sudden I came to a great discovery and I found the root of every breakdown on the planet in believers' lives. And I used to say, I just talked, I talked to him like this because he loves me. I'd say, you died for your people to have abundant life. Does anybody agree with that? You, die, you sacrificed your life and suffered so we could have the kingdom of God on the earth. How come we don't have it? Why are so many believers depressed, defeated, beat down, lonely, bruised, fighting, divorced? What the H is going on around here? And that's what's going on around here. Why did you suffer so much and people are not getting what you suffered to give, give to, suffered to give them? Why? I found the answer. It's in James chapter four. Turn with me. This is so simple. Turn back a few pages to James chapter four. I want you to get a Holy Spirit revelation and I'm going to build this for you a little bit in scripture. I, just, I love my children, just like you love your children. I bless the fire out of my children. I love to give them stuff. You know, I, I wear blue jeans from Walmart. I've upgraded. Some of them come from Tractor Supply now. Pretty much Walmart though. I wear these cheap shirts. I pay $9 for it to cheap joint. And I drive an old truck, 25 years old, a county ward out. It's an old county work truck. I'm thrilled. I guarantee my youngest don't wear no Walmart jeans when they was growing up. Theirs flew in from the Eagles, where theirs came from. <laughs> we blessed our kids. They had great educations. They got nice cars. I, I gave my kids everything and I never begrudged it one bit. I love to give my kids stuff. Let me quote to you a verse out of Luke 11 before we look at this. If you being evil compared to me, love to give good things to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask? And let me show you a great truth. I know why God can't do more things for people. It's in James chapter four, verse two, the second half of verse two, we'll go through the whole thing. You lust do not have, you murder covet, cannot obtain, fight and war. Watch these words. You do not have because you do not ask. Every breakdown is a prayer breakdown. Everything that we lack has to go back to prayer somehow. And that half a verse right there, that revelation of truth right there tells me that it's all about prayer. It's all about prayer. It's all about asking. It's all about calling on the name of the Lord and seeking his face. It's just, it's all about prayer. All right. Second thing I want to teach you. And I want to ask a question and listen, a lot of people get offended when I ask these. They say, well, you shouldn't say stuff like that. He is wonderful. You can ask him things. And I'm going to give you a question that I've heard people ask, and I wondered this myself. Here's the question. If he's so good, why don't he just do stuff for me? Why do I have to ask? 
listen, does the Bible not say he knows what we need before we ask? Doesn't it say that? So if he's so good, why don't he just give it to me? Why do I have to ask him to give me stuff if he's so good? I maybe think that's a legitimate question. I maybe think the answer's in the Bible. I maybe think the answer's wonderful. I ask, and I just said, you're so good. You see our need. You see what people need. Can't you just help them and do things for them? And he said to me, not till they ask. Why is God Almighty handcuffed by my prayers? Why can he not do things if I don't ask? Answer again is in the scriptures. I'll give you the answer. Turn with me to John chapter 10. This will come as a great revelation to you. All right. John chapter 10 is that great passage where we find out there are two gods in the earth. I may believe there are two gods in the earth. One of them, you spell it with a little G. Jesus called him the God of this world. All right. One of them's good. One of them's bad. Can I get a witness? One of them is the lover of your soul. One is the murderer of children and everything decent. Can I get a witness? All right. They're, they're, they're pictured in one verse. One, this is sort of the fulcrum verse of the Bible. John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. All right. That's that one God that's in the earth. But look what the other half of that verse said. But Jesus said, I have come that they might suffer and have a mundane life. What does it say? I mean, it's so simple, dear. What does it say? I came so they could have an abundant life, wonderful life. Can you see where one God wants you to have a wonderful life and one God wants to destroy your life? Can you see it? I'm having to know that. Listen, you say, what does that mean? It means what it says. Let's quit complicating things he's written down that are so simple. There is a God on this planet who loves you and wants you to have a wonderful life. He rules heaven and earth and he died to give it to you. There's another God who wants to destroy everything you hold dear. He hates your marriage. He hates your children. He hates your happiness. There's two gods in this earth working. Now, let me teach you. They are, they're, they're diametrically opposed, but there's two things you better learn about both these gods. One of them has to have your permission to help you. The other one doesn't. One of them will respect your free will. The other one couldn't care less what you think. Do you understand that? Let's read John chapter 10, verse one. Jesus said this. Now, this is a picture. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up over the wall some other way, that is the thief. That's the robber. Did you have to open the door for the robber to get inside your house? According to that verse. Did he ask your permission? How'd he come in? He just broke in. He didn't ask for your permission. How many of you have had to pray for Satan to come make you hateful? How many of you ever had to get on your knees and pray, oh, dear Satan, make me mad? How many of you have ever had to pray, oh, dear evil one, start a fight in this marriage? How many of you had to pray, oh, dear, Jesus, dear Satan, come and make my kids crazy? You don't have to pray for that. Guess why? You don't have to ask him to do nothing. He's coming anyway. What does it say? He climbs over the wall. He doesn't respect your will. Read verse two with me. But he who enters, What? by the door is the shepherd of the sheep and the doorkeeper has to open to him. You have got to open the door for Jesus to work in your life. He's not going to break into your life. He will. Let me quote to you. Revelation 320. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You got to hear my voice and you got to open the door. And if you'll open the door, I'll come in. Can you see that those two gods are different in that regard? One of them doesn't have to have your permission to do anything. He'll climb over the wall and break in your house. The other one has to have your permission. And we call that permission prayer. 
Isn't this the way it works in physical life? I have never, I got broke into one time and they, I promise you, they did not call me the day before and say, hey, tomorrow night about two o'clock in the morning, we're coming. They didn't ask, but every time friends come to my house, guess what they do? They knock, I have to let them in because they're my friends. Dear ones, I want you to understand this. This answers the question, if God is so good, why don't he just do what people need? He can't until you open the door and prayer is the act of faith that releases God into your life, that opens the door into your life. Do you understand now why the Bible says we have not? Because we, how important is prayer? It is everything. I mean, it's life or death. It's the rise and fall issue in our lives. Let me point something out here to you. I don't know if you knew this or not. Jesus suffered horribly to bless you. If you want to look this up sometime, this is another full, one of the key verses. Galatians 3.13 said this, he became a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is every man that's hanged on a cross so that the blessing of God could come upon us in Christ Jesus. That man suffered so you could be blessed. So how come I don't have it? You tell me. We have not because we, it all goes back to prayer. The issue is never what does he want to do? It all goes back to prayer. All right, number three, let me teach you something else. We're going to learn four things today. There are two kinds of praying in the Bible. And uh, I mean, there's about seven or eight when you talk about the prayer, praise and all that stuff. But basically we pray two ways. There's the crisis praying and there's seed praying. You don't know what crisis praying is, don't you? That's when something terrible happens and you run to the Lord real quick. Is that in the Bible? Absolutely. Over and over, people got in trouble. Moses called on the name of the Lord when his people were backed up. You know, people had a problem. They'd run to Jesus as Christ is praying. That's good. We do that here. You should do that. When things blow up, run to him. But dear ones, that's not the big prayer that changes. That's not the big prayer that makes life great. The prayer that makes life great is seed praying. You know what seed praying is? Seed praying is when you plant something today that you won't be reaping till down the road. And you reaping today what you sowed yesterday. I don't know if you knew this or not, but if a farmer, uh, which I am one officially, 142nd of an acre, <laughs> if you put a kernel of corn in the ground, you don't get it by dark. You've got to sow it. Whatsoever a man sows, if you don't sow it, you don't grow it, doc. If you don't pray, you don't get it. But there's, you put corn in the ground, you don't get it that day. You don't get it the next day. Let me see how many bona fide NC State graduates I got in here. How many days? Oh God, all of you went to Carolina. That explains everything. 90 days, 88 to 92 days before you can pick corn. So you got a 90 day period where I sowed it way back there, but I'm not getting it for 90 days. And today I'm getting what I sowed 90 days. Do you understand that? That's called seed praying. And the Bible says the big prayer we do is the seed praying where we sow and we sow and uh, then it grows. Now, <clears throat> I want you to uh, tell you what to do. Let's, let's look at that in the Bible. Let's turn to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six. All righty. Well, no, 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 no. I turn to Mark, turn to Mark. I turn to the book of Hezekiah. Turn, turn wherever you want. It's all good. Turn with me to the book of Mark. I want to show you something else first. All right, we got to learn how to seed pray because seed prayer, seed 
crisis praying might get you out of a mess today. What we need, listen to me, what we need is the blessing and hand of God on our lives every day for the rest of our lives. I need God's hand on my life every day for the rest of my life. That only comes by seed praying. I want you to see praying in the Bible. It's in Mark chapter four. Let me find the verse here, 26. Mark 4, 26. The kingdom of God is as if, freeze right there. You know what Jesus just said? If you want God's touch on your life, you've got to learn this. This is how God works in the earth. This is how he works in life. The kingdom of God is as if a man should what? Scatter or sow seed on the ground. So what did he just tell me? If I want God to bless my family, I'm going to have to sow the seed. I, got, I have to do something. Can't just wish. And should sleep by night, rise by day. The seed sprouts and grows. He don't understand it. Y'all understand that. I, I can't go pop. I have got to do something day after day after day. And then over time, things start happening. Let's read the rest of it there. Verse 28, the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head. Isn't that how it works? Then the grain ripens. Immediately he puts in the sickle. Watch this. The harvest has come. Why did the harvest come? What started that harvest? Way back here. Somebody stuck a seed in the ground. And then the harvest comes. And what did Jesus say? This is how the kingdom works. This is, how you, this is how your life becomes good. This is how God touches your family. And people just go, God is blessing that family. This is how a person's life becomes great. This is how the kingdom of God operates. It's by seed prayer over time like this. I began to see this and I saw it and I said, that's it right there. I've been hollering and screaming for this and that. And, and I just, you know, we're just, I'm throwing rocks at ducks and in prayer. And, and then I heard somebody say this one time. I just remember this young man learned, I heard somebody say this. They quoted a verse out of the Bible where Jesus said to Simon, could you not tarry one hour? Remember that in the Bible, in the guard, Jesus, Simon fell asleep. He said, could you not tarry one hour? He said, folks, we need to pray for an hour. And I thought, amen. Amen. I'll pray for an hour. I can do it. Simon couldn't, but I can. I'm going to pray for an hour. I never forget. I go in my little office there, my little church, got on my knees beside my desk, turned the clock right to see. I took off. I blessed everybody I could think of. I prayed for the middle school boys. I prayed for the fifth grade girls and their teacher. I blessed my house. I blessed the dog. I looked up in seven minutes. <laughs> dullest seven minutes I ever spent in my life. Prayer can be one of the dullest things on the earth. You said, don't say that in front of him. You don't think he knows? And I just, I don't know if he said it to me or it dawned on me. He said, son, I created the sunset. I created the Blue Ridge. I created romantic love and a baby's smile. You think I do dull stuff? I don't do nothing dull. And that's when I realized that oh, we're missing something on this prayer thing. If it's dull, it's not doing right. Let me tell you something. There's nothing in my life I'd rather do than pray. I'd, I'd rather pray than fish. You know what that's saying? I love to pray. But I didn't in them early years because it bored me to tears and but I learned how, and I learned how to do this. I need for you to be blessed. And I began to practice it. And let me tell you something. I, I never ask him for anything ever. Do you remember 1 John 5, 14? I don't ask him for anything. I just say, I want to praise you and thank you that my children will be taught of the Lord. I want to praise you and thank you that your hand's on me. 
I want to praise you and thank you that no evil will befall me, nor will any plague come near my dwelling because you have surrounded me and no weapon formed against me, my family, or my church will prosper. Praise God. You know what that is? We know that we have confidence that he's going to answer what we ask. Pray with thanksgiving and praise. And uh, I began to understand this. I began to understand that I wanted my family, especially my family to be blessed. And I, got, I, I was watching people's families fall apart during that period. Preachers' families. And I would hear people say, well, you know, a lot of times being a preacher, the devil go after your children. I don't see that in the Bible anywhere. Why do we say dumb stuff? And I thought, he ain't getting mine. Bless God. I ain't sacrificing him. But I, I knew I couldn't do it. How many of you can do it? You can't even make your 13-year-old make up their bed. <laughs> Much less change their heart. And I knew if my family, if my kid's going to be blessed, it has got to have something to do with me in that prayer closet. And I began to, I learned how to, I began to pray for my kids. I prayed for my kids every day of their lives, even the days before they was born when I knew they was on the way. All right, now let me tell you what I also, and I'm going to give you one example here, how this works. One example. I knew with my children, everybody's children, everybody, I knew you make two big decisions in life. What you going to do with Jesus and who you going to marry. Everything else is minor league compared to them too. And I knew, I knew, being farm boy, I knew this. When it came time, my children getting a little bit older, about time for them to start, my girls to start thinking that daddy ain't number one no more. You understand what I'm saying there? And I knew this. I knew good and well, you don't get racehorses out of mules. I knew that. You get jackasses. I knew good and well, I didn't want no jackass grandchildren. I wanted champion grandchildren and I knew that to get champion grandchildren, you got to match your youngins up with champions. But I don't get to tell them what to do. Can I get a witness? But I knew somebody who could fix that for me because I know his will and I know what he says about people and I know what he says about marriage and I wanted it to come to pass and I wasn't taking no chances. So I began to pray and, uh, I mean, you know, there might be a test of your faith. Mine would show up at the house with undesirables. I'll just say that. Undesirables. And I knew, I'll have, my grandchildren will have big ears if they marry you. Golly, that ain't even, you ain't even close to what I'm looking for, son. Kyle, you ain't even close to what I'm looking for. Where'd you find him at? I'm having no, you can't say that. And so you, just, you, I tell you, you just march in there and just tell them, you're not hanging around that no more. Guess what you just did? They'll be married by dark. <laughs> you can't change a person's heart, but I know somebody can. And uh, I just said, no, I, them, I mean, we came back close to one. I, I thought I'd probably have to shoot him. <laughs> but I stood out there and I didn't pay attention to what I saw. I stood out there and I praised him and thanked him for his goodness by the grace of God. I'm going to tell you an answered prayer, no question about it. And you, if you knew the circumstance, you'd say, that's a miracle right there. All three of mine are yoked up with champions right now. My grandbabies are going to shine one day if they ever get here. I mean, they're going to shine one day. <laughs> you know what that is? That's seed praying. That, that was praying, knowing I may not see it today. I may not see it tomorrow, but there'll come a day when the harvest has come. And I've treated everything in life like that. I, I don't run, say a prayer and then run out there and say, oh, what does it look like? What does it look like? I don't care what it looks like. That word's true. We walk by faith and not by sight. 
And I began to pray like this. All right, let me show you the, I want to show you a verse that should dictate your life, change your life. Matthew chapter six. If my father says it in this book, you can trust it. This should be the verse that anchors your life. I mean, this verse right here, it jumped on me one day. You know what I mean by that? I'm reading through here and the spirit of God brought it to my heart and he said, you do this and I'll, you do what I ask you to do in this verse and I'll do what I said I'd do in this verse. Listen to me, you can take that man at his word. You can trust him to do what he says. And uh, if you want a great life, I mean a blessed life and you want your family to be blessed and you want to have an effect in this earth, here's the verse right here. It's Matthew chapter six, verse six. And the Bible says this in Matthew six, six. If you pray, but you, if you pray, is that what it says? When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. Your father who is seeing in secret will reward you publicly. That's the verse that changes the world right there. That's the verse that makes your life great. That's the verse that alters your family's trajectory. What does he say? You get up and you don't have to go into a closet. What does it mean? Just get alone somewhere. Just you and God, just you and God and nobody else. This is not one of them of two agree. This is just you and God and you get along with him and you pray to him what he asked you to pray to him and what he promised you right there. I will reward you and I'll do it publicly and people will see God's helping them. God's doing something right there. Let this be the verse that shapes everything that alters the whole program. And then, and I don't want to get in much of this because we look at it again next week. But I want you to notice a couple of things that he says. And matter of fact, he goes on to say this, <clears throat> verse nine, in this manner, therefore pray. I look, everybody look at me right here. If the son of God were to walk up to you and say this, when you pray, say this to me. How many of you know we might ought to listen to that? What did you say in that verse right there? And I'm not gonna go through it, but let me point out one thing in this verse. I want you to ask me something. Son, get in that closet, just go. I'll be there. If you'll ask me this in private, I'll do it for you publicly. I want you to ask me to do something for you, son. I want you to ask me that my kingdom will come and my will will be done in your life the same way it's being done in heaven. Can I ask you a question? Is anybody fighting in heaven? Are families divided in heaven? Are people miserable in heaven? Are people addicted in heaven? What do you tell me to ask him? whatever it's like in heaven, make it right here. You know how big a promise this is right here? He said, just go in that closet and just ask me to do it, son. Just talk to me. And I promise you, if you'll meet me in that closet, I'll, I'll publicly reward you for just asking me. This is so simple, a child can get it. Why do we complicate something he made so simple? We'll talk more about that prayer next week and just pray, just pray it to him. Now, I want to point something, point something out, out here. You say, Brother Brian, uh, how about you pray for me? Or how about if we stack it up for a week? Let me show you one of the key elements that we have to, here's what I mean by seed praying. Look with me in verse, uh, verse uh, 11. What does verse 11 say? Give us for the month of November, our monthly bread. Does it say that? Don't get a revelation here. You can't pray for a month at a time. You can't cover it one week at a time. What'd he say? Give me what I need today. Put your hand on me today. Work in my kids' hearts today. Meet our financial needs and bless this business today. 
How many days worth can you get at one time according to that prayer? So this tells me what? I can't pray three times a week. I can't pray once a month. Tell me how often I have to go in that closet. Somebody tell me. I would no more go out of my house in the mornings before I get in that closet and believe him for everything he promised. And I'd go out of the house without my britches. Matter of fact, I'd go out of the house without my britches before I'd go out without praying. You know why? You know why? What'd the man say? I know that there's a murderer and a thief out there wanting to rip me off and steal and destroy and hurt my family. I am not going to start the day without believing him and calling on his name. They said, brother, I don't have an hour every morning. Let me point out something to you. I don't see hour anywhere in there. You, You don't get credit for praying longer. Where do we get this stuff from? Here, Joyce Myers, I prayed for four hours. Oh, God Almighty, I only played two and a half. Where do we get this junk from? All I see in there, you know what I see in there? Just say what I tell you to say, son. I don't see a time. I can say the whole thing in 50 seconds. If I go real slow, I, a minute and a half. <laughs> Why are we complicating this thing? You know what Jesus' mother said to the helpers one day? Just do what the man says. Do what the man tells you to do so he can do for you what he promised he'd do. All right, let me show you one more thing I've learned. We'll, again, we'll talk about that next week. Let me show you one more thing I've learned. I may believe there is a real thief in the earth. I want to ask you a question. How many of you think that devil knows this book right here? Inside and out. Every verse. We find that in Luke chapter four where he's quoting the Bible to Jesus. He knows this book. Let me tell you something else the enemy of your soul knows. You listen to me. Let me tell you something he knows. He knows he cannot stop God from being good to you. He knows if you'll do what he asks you to do, he knows if you'll pray, he cannot stop the blessing of God on your life. And let me, while I'm going to answer that in a minute, let me tell you something. He can't stop God from being good to you. You don't nail your son to a cross and not want to help somebody. I got one son I love dearly. Do you think I would nail him to that oak tree out in the back of my house for you to help you and then not pay your power bill? Come on. I'm telling you, he loves you. He'll do what he said he'd do. And listen, my enemy knows that. He knows he can't stop God. So guess what he's going to go after? Guess what he is going to try to stop? He's going to stop me from praying. If he can stop me from praying, what happens? Then I will have not because I, you getting it? Getting it? All right. You be watching. I found five things in the Bible and in personal life and other people's lives, five things he'll do to quit you, to quit you from praying, to keep you from praying. See if you hadn't experienced all five of these. And, and by the way, be ready. Number one, busyness. Busyness. Bill Hybels wrote a great book one time called Too Busy Not to Pray. We've gotten so busy in our culture that we don't have time. Charles Stanley, I'm listening to Charles Stanley talk to preachers. He's talking to a bunch of us preachers one day. And Charles asked this question. You know who Charles is, don't you? He's 105, been preaching 90 years. Charles said, let me ask you a question, preachers. He said, what do you do in your day that's more important than praying to the God who created you? And I said, nothing, nothing. Uh, Listen, Mark chapter four says this. These are they whom the busyness and the cares of life choke the word of God and it can never help them. Do not let your schedule rob you from putting your face in front of God's face every day. Can't do it. He'll, use, he'll get you so busy. You just decide, that's it. I'm going to go pray. The phone will ring. The UPS truck will come up. Your mom-in-law will come to the house. You'll get invited to go fishing for free. Don't you let nothing steal God's goodness from you. Number two, ignorance. 
They said, Brother Brown, I, I didn't know that I had to pray every day. My people perish for lack of knowledge. That's why the Bible's written. We learn stuff. Number three, listen to this. Doubt. I don't know if you'll hear my prayers or not. I, I just, I don't know about this stuff. Listen, buy you a Bible and know. Let me quote it again. This is the confidence we have. That man will answer my, I'm going to tell you something. He will answer your prayers. He'll do it. Number four, see if this hadn't happened to you. Unworthiness. Who are you to be asking him for that? Do you remember how you acted yesterday? Yeah. You cussing yesterday and you think you're going to ask him to help you today. You got that right. Please learn from me. Let me teach you something. Learn this from me. You do not get better so you can get closer to God. You get closer to God so you can get better. You don't have to be good to come to him. You have to be needy to come to him. And he'll hit your mind. He'll talk about how you don't deserve this and the way you talk to your wife and the way you treat people like that. And them thoughts you've been, you think you're going to come before God and ask this. You got that right. I, I need the every hour. Don't you let him get in. He will get in your head. You just start to pray. See if he doesn't try and get in your head and distract you with a bunch of junk. <laughs> I have a little prayer house out back. I go out in that house and pray back there. I can be sitting in there working for two hours on stuff, church stuff. And all of a sudden I say, it is time to pray. And the moment I start praying, a fly will break loose in the room. <laughs> He's been sitting there still for two hours. But when I start to pray, he'll take off, land on my head. <laughs> There's a reason they call the devil the Lord of the flies. He'll start flying around out there. I mean, a tree limb will fall and hit the building. The dog will squeal. The UPS man will run into my truck. He will move. The enemy will move earth to keep you from praying. Do not let him rob you. Let me throw in one more. <clears throat> setbacks. Do not let setbacks rob you from praying. They say, Brother Brown, I prayed for my kid and something bad happened. I can't explain that. Don't let it stop you. Aunt so-and-so got cancer. We prayed for her. She died. I can't explain that. I don't understand it, but that is not going to stop me from believing God. I'm not going to base what I believe on what I see. I'm going to base it on this book and he's not going to steal anything from me. Don't you let him rob you from the sweet hour of prayer. He ain't stealing anything from me. All right. <clears throat> Make prayer the driver of your life. God almighty gave you prayer to drive your life. Nothing above it. We're going to talk about it for a few weeks about just real prayer for real people in a real life and how to do this and how, and, and you will delight in it. We got to learn how to do this and he will answer. Now, let me tell you something. You, you don't, he can't do a thing till you call. Can I ask you a question? How many people does Jesus want to save? Has anybody got any idea? You think he wants everybody saved? Now you just think that because he's nice or could you point me to that in the Bible? We need to always be able to point back to this book for everything we think. Could somebody show me in this Bible where it says God desires all to be saved and to be blessed by the knowledge of the truth? First Timothy. He wants everybody saved. Can I ask you a question? Was his death on the cross enough to save everybody? Every person on the planet, yeah or nay? Why are most people not going to be saved? It's not because they're not good enough. Listen to this. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If people miss heaven, they'll miss it by one prayer. You don't have to be good enough. That's why he had down the cross. I can't be good enough. There was everything is a breakdown in prayer somewhere. We've got to get back to it. And listen, don't worry about being perfect. Don't worry about getting it right. Just holler, holler. 
can tell you one of my favorite stories. A friend of mine named Steve Irvin. He's my dear buddy. He's the, one of the few people in my life, just a little bit older than me. I love him dearly. Steve was the president of the Outlaws motorcycle gang, the Lexington chapter, which is one of your bigger chapters. I don't know if you know who the Outlaws are not, but they're the, uh, they're the arch rivals of the Hells Angels. They're the two major competing motorcycle gangs in the nation. And Steve was president of the Outlaws. And I'm gonna tell you something. He was mean. Bigger than I am, he's just mean. Pimped his wife trafficked in drugs and illegal guns. He was one mean sucker. And he, he's scary now and he's been saved for years. Still got that long beard down to his navel, that long hair. And he was president of the outlaws. And I mean, he was just, he's just evil to the core. And he'd tell you that. And all of a sudden, at 40 some years old, he'd never thought about God in his life. He didn't believe in that junk. That's for weak women and goofy men. He said, all of a sudden, he said, I, God just got on my mind. He said, I, I, I just think about God all the time. And is he there? Is he real? He said, I never, never give him the time of day. I'd cursed him all my life. He said, all of a sudden in my mind, I'm just thinking about God all the time. He said, I couldn't even get it out. And, and I just kept wondering, is he there? Is he real? I think I know what happened. I think God sent several preachers and they was all scared to go talk to him. So God just went and talked to him himself. <laughs> just got on his mind. And he said, I'm at, house, at the house one day and I'm just overwhelmed with there's, there's a God. There's gotta be a God. And, and so all of a sudden I just, I just got this thing on me. I, I need him. I'm having no outlaw bikers normally ain't looking for God. Somebody gotta be looking for him. And he said, I just got overwhelmed with this thing. And he said, I, I went in my bedroom and said, I, didn't even, I got down on my knees beside my bed. He said, I'd never heard anybody or seen anybody get on their knees. I just knew I needed to humble myself in front of him. He said, I got on my knees and he said, I realized you, you got to pray. And then he said, I thought, I don't know how to pray. Never prayed in my life. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and he said, all of a sudden into my mind, it came back when I was a four or five year old boy staying with my grandmother and she taught me a prayer at bedtime. Here's the president of the outlaws with his biker gear on, 45 stuck under his arm. And he bows his head over that bread and he said to God, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my, he said, that's what I prayed. And he said, all of a sudden something just came over me. Sweetest, I never, just, never experienced it before. And he said, in a moment, I didn't want to hurt nobody again. In a moment, I was ashamed of the way I'd treated my wife. In a moment, I wanted to do right. Just in a moment. How many of you know that now I lay me down to sleep? It is not, do you pray the perfect prayer? It's the heart. And he, he said, I just, he said, God came to me right there. I say right there. And he said, I got up off my knees and I was different. He said, I hollered, Carol, Carol's his wife, come in here. He said, she came in here and said, what? She, he said, get in right there. Get right there. Get on your knees right there. Right there on that bed. Say what I tell you to say. And she prayed the same prayer and she got saved. And then he went into ministry and we partnered together for years. I was always still a little nervous about him, sort of keep my distance. <laughs> I loved him dearly. But dear ones, it's just, listen to this. Jeremiah 33, three, call on me. Call on me. I will answer you. I will answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things you've never seen before. That man tells the truth. All right, I've studied this issue for your prayer has been the major thing in my life. I've studied it for years. And I do want to leave you with one parting shot here. Here it is. I've only found one prayer in the Bible. He can answer anybody's prayer. I don't care if you're a prostitute, 
pig farmer, podiatrist, pickle packer, preacher, I don't care what you are. Anybody that calls from the heart, he'll hear your prayer and he'll answer. I've only found one prayer in the Bible he can't answer. There's only one prayer he cannot answer. You know which one it is? The unprayed one. That's the only prayer he can't answer. You have not, because you ask not. We have to learn how to do this and we've got to practice it every day. Dear Je- I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I just want to praise you and thank you for your goodness. Heaven's ear is waiting. It's, it's like you're waiting for someone to meet you in that room, in that private place. You sit there. Your word says you're in the secret place. You're already there waiting on somebody to come and say, I don't know how to raise kids, Jesus, but you do. I don't know how to be married. I'm dangerous, but you know what to do. I don't know how to make money. I don't know how to turn this business around, but you do. I don't even know how to quit cussing. I need your help. You're waiting in that place for somebody to come and say, help me every day. I just, I've seen what you do for people who will learn and practice and just do what the man says. Just do what the man says. I want to praise you and thank you. You've blessed the fire out of me. I think that's the word in the Bible, fire. You've blessed me so good as a person. I've had the greatest life. My life was headed to jail and in hell and you've made it wonderful because of prayer. I have been, I've had the most blessed family because of prayer. My churches have been blessed. Lives are changed all over the world because of, your, because of prayer. I want every person in this room, I ache for them to know the touch of God on their lives so that they just stand there and go, that was him right there. God did that for me right there. I want them to know that and I trust you for that. Thank you for your goodness. I do want to ask you for one thing. I just want to say thank you, but I want to ask you for something. I believe you and praise you and thank you that by your spirit, this will go deep into the hearts of people here this morning and those watching. This will go deep in their hearts and and something will just click in there. Not just to hear it with their ear, but to know it with their heart. That man will do what he said he'd do. I'm going to meet him in prayer. And Lord Jesus says, I covenanted with you back in the 1980s. There will never be another day in my life. Saturday morning, Sunday mornings, Christmas morning, Thanksgiving, there'll never be another day when I do not lift up my voice to you. And I pray you put that in people's hearts because I want them to know how good you are. I give you all the praise and glory for your great kindness. You are wonderful. In the blessed name of Jesus, I pray, amen and amen.